0: Welcome to Transforming Healthcare with ClearArch Health, a ClearArch Health podcast. ClearArch Health is a leading provider of advanced remote patient monitoring technology and turnkey virtual healthcare solutions. Recorded on December twenty second, twenty twenty two, this episode explores the final rule Medicare physician fee schedule for twenty twenty three and its impact on flexibility of care and reimbursement opportunities for telehealth and remote monitoring. On December 23rd, 2022, the U.S. Congress approved and the President signed a year-end omnibus legislative package that allows Medicare telehealth flexibilities to continue for two calendar years through December 31st, 2024, regardless of what happens with a public health emergency, enabling Medicare recipients everywhere to access telehealth and remote management services. Now, let's listen in.
1: Hello, I'm Debbie Fisher, Senior Director of Client Success and Transformation for Clear Arch Health. Today, we will be discussing reimbursement and flexibility of care as it relates to telehealth and remote patient monitoring, what we also call RPM. This topic is foremost in the minds of care professionals who provide virtual care, including telehealth and other forms of remote patient monitoring services for patients, especially those dealing with chronic conditions. This is especially pertinent topic as CMS deliberates on the conclusion of the public health emergency and the impact on telehealth. And to better understand the implications and challenges ahead, we will be talking with Bill peshkoun Senior Vice President of Growth and Strategic Accounts for ClearArch Health. Welcome, Bill.
2: Uh, thank you, Debbie. I just wanted to remind everybody that our discussion today is not legal advice. It's intended for informational purposes. You should always contact your billing specialist or Medicare Part B, Medicare Administrative Contractor, or MAC, for billing questions and reimbursement rates specific to your practice and location.
1: Thank you, Bill, for that reminder. So let's get right into it. Um, There are so many pieces to the healthcare puzzle that have changed over the years. It's been a struggle for all of us, payers, providers, consumers, vendors alike, to really grasp all of this. We've had the introduction of value-based care where the emphasis was on more on quality, not quantity, but just as value-based care was taken off, along comes COVID. And The impact, I believe, will forever be a part of our history and change the course of care delivery. And with COVID, we had the release of the public health emergency, um, where there was an expansion of coverage for care using telehealth and other remote technologies, giving providers an opportunity to stay connected to their patients remotely and receive reimbursement for delivery of care outside that traditional confinement of a hospital or a, a home care setting. We've also seen transitions in the physician fee schedule over the past years where there's been an expansion in reimbursement for care coordination, chronic care management, and services provided outside that physician office. And now, as the new year is fastly approaching, we have the finalization of the 2023 physician fee schedule where there is some additional expansion of remote care, and I'll let you talk about that in just a second, Bill as well as we have the anticipation this year of the sunsetting of the PHE, which will impact some of those telehealth expansion reimbursements that we've seen over the past year. So with all of that, and that was a lot, <laughs> um, Bill, how are healthcare professionals, payers, vendors, patients to make sense of all of this and kind of what's up next?
2: Yeah, thanks, Debbie. There is a lot going on a lot that can be confusing, and a lot of uncertainty with um, the supposed end of the public health emergency or PHE surrounding COVID. So one of the things we hear the most about is what people call the telehealth cliff. As you mentioned, at the beginning of COVID, there were waivers put in place um, for telehealth. These were called the 1135 waivers, It actually affected 144 telehealth codes or services that were expanded uh, during COVID or during the public health emergency for COVID. And the home was an originating site and um, the requirement for an in-person initial consult with the doctor uh, to begin a service was waived, as well as for many of the uh, codes that we'll talk about um, that are Medicare Part B. So chronic care management, remote physiologic monitoring, remote therapeutic monitoring, and some others, uh, actually the uh, copay has been waived. And so when the public health emergency ends, 151 days after that, a lot of these things go back in place. So it makes it tough for healthcare provider organizations, payers, vendors even patients, everyone who's involved in the system to really make long-term plans. But if we say that that's kind of the bad news, there are also some some good news uh, with some of the things that happened in the uh, physician fee schedule, and we can talk about those also. There are also multiple bills in Congress to address uh, the issue of the telehealth cliff, And we will likely see passage of one of these bills or or more before the 151 days after the official end of the public health emergency. And many people in our space believe that these telehealth waivers will be made permanent. We're seeing some states already are making some of these um, telehealth waivers permanent in their state. And as you mentioned, the continued growth of value-based care models Especially uh, Medicare Advantage programs makes the fee for service reimbursement less of a critical issue for for some of these services as as more and more providers move that way, and we also see a move to uh, expand some of the coverages for remote services in pain management. There's new codes for that. There's new codes for cognitive behavioral health as Uh, Is now one of the coverages under remote therapeutic monitoring and uh, behavioral health integration um, services have some new codes also. In the final rule, I talked about that behavioral health integration or BHI, there's a new HCPCS code G0302 and all the regulations around that. So behavioral health integration is added uh, to remote care with that G0302 code. Um, And There's also new chronic pain management codes, which is G3002 and G3003. So we see some continuing emphasis by CMS on expanding the use cases for remote care, which is a fantastic thing to happen.
1: That is excellent. Thank you for such an in-depth overview. As we think about remote care and and virtual care, what should our providers in the community be thinking about and really planning for this next year um, in terms of how do they wrap their their arms around their their patient population?
2: Well that's a great question. And I think that number one, it depends on what are the current level of services they're providing and what are their goals around patient care, whether they're a physical therapist, whether they're a primary care physician, whether they're a specialist, uh, and if they've already utilized, began utilizing the uh, telehealth codes under the waiver, there are a couple of things to do. Number one is work with your local congressman, whether you ha- whether that's both for the Senate and the House, looking at these telehealth bills that are in place and what can uh, positively affect the way that you're providing care I think that's probably one of the things that any of us listening uh, can do. And I'll give you a a heads up on some of these. So uh, most of these fall into um, gathering information on the use and effectiveness of remote monitoring during the pandemic and establishing some pilot programs and providing funding for remote monitoring. One of the key themes is maternal health and rural Health expansion of rural health care, and uh, as we've heard a lot about in the news lately, is health equity, making sure that we provide the same level of care to those who are in underserved communities, either because they're rural or um, geographic restricted or economic restricted, trying to really expand um, that care so we have a, a level care field for everyone here in the U.S., And I'll just kind of run through some of these. There are a lot of these. There's a Fair Care Act, which is for expanding coverage of remote monitoring for chronic conditions. It um, provides guidelines to the secretary for providing payment uh, for covered services. So the Fair Care Act uh, will enable additional reimbursement and additional payment for remote monitoring services. There's the Health Equity and Accountability Act which incentivizes home health agencies to use remote patient monitoring tools to treat Medicare beneficiaries. Now, this is really important because home health has kind of been left out of remote patient monitoring and the ability to um, get reimbursed for providing those services. Until now, home health agencies can only um, put the cost of remote patient monitoring on um, uh, on their expense They can expense it on their reports um, and basically depreciate the equipment, but there's no direct reimbursement. So in 2023, for the first time, there are three new, and for the first half of the year, these are voluntary codes for home health agencies to begin reporting the usage of remote patient monitoring services so that CMS can begin gathering data and information and then be able to determine uh, the path forward for beginning some reimbursement opportunities for home health agencies. This has really been something that needed to happen for probably 10 years or, well, at least since 2015, when the first chronic care management codes um, came out from CMS. It just seems um, home health has kind of just been left, left out of the picture on that. And this is a way to start. So this year, if you're a home health agency, look at those three voluntary codes uh, right now, begin submitting some of the data on that to CMS, and hopefully in the proposed physician fee schedule for 2024, Medicare will address that with some opportunities for reimbursement for using remote monitoring uh, by home health agencies. So that, that is, the again, that's the Health Equity and Accountability Act. Then uh, another act is the Technology-Enabled Care in Home or TECH Act, and this act um, tests models for the use of telehealth services, remote monitoring, and other at-home interventions for chronically ill Medicare Advantage enrollees. So this is one of the first um, acts or bills in Congress that specifically addresses Medicare Advantage in, enrollees. So another place that's important to just stay um, on top of what's, what's going on with these and to make sure you're in touch with your congressman to help these things get passed. Um, there's another one that's the Department of Veteran Affairs Telehealth Strategy Act uh, to support the demand for remote monitoring in coming years among the veteran population. And as we've seen, although you might say the veteran population is a closed loop, now we're seeing the providers in in many communities can provide care to veterans if they otherwise are outside of specific VA care. So this is something that might affect many other providers, even if they're technically outside of the Veterans Administration, if they're capable of servicing those uh, veterans for care. Then there's the Choose Home Care Act. Another one for home health agencies um, to use to study using remote patient monitoring as a supplement to in person care and include that as a covered services under extended care um, services um, umbrellas for home health agencies. Again, another area for a home health agency to begin uh, having more involvement and being compensated for the use of remote patient monitoring. So that's the Choose Home Care Act. Then there's uh, another one, and analyzing the duration of remote monitoring services is for remote physiologic monitoring services, just looking at how that's being used. So if you are billing for remote physiologic monitoring, contact your congressman regarding the analyzing the duration of remote patient monitoring services act. This could have an effect on the rates of reimbursement for remote physiologic monitoring and some of the parameters under there. One of the codes under remote physiologic monitoring is 99454. That's the device code currently requires 16 days of monitoring. So this is a way if you have clinical use cases and remember Remote physiologic monitoring can be used for both chronic and acute patients. So you might have use cases that don't require that or don't need that 16 days of automated data. This would be a great way to contact your congressman with those use cases in order to get some variation uh, from CMS on that for future use. There's um, for increasing rural um, access, there's the Increasing Rural Telehealth Access Act. Um, to increase the use of remote monitoring in rural areas. Again, that's to try to hit health equity for that. And that bill would appropriate $50 million just for the pilot project. So if you're providing care in rural areas here in the US, $50 million are up at stake for for this pilot project in the Increasing Rural Telehealth Access Act to help promote um, care equity across those more rural locations and geogra- geographic areas in the in the. US. The Enact act encourages the use of telehealth, remote monitoring and other mobile technologies to reduce the barriers of participation in clinical research. So that's for clinical trials. Um, and uh, most of the time those are typically utilized in more populated areas. It's easy to keep track of the patients. So this would be to expand clinical trials out into more rural areas, again, addressing health equity. And then there's one that you could probably guess what this one is uh, about, it's called the Mommies Act. So it increases access to maternal care, including remote monitoring devices like blood pressure and glucose monitors with some funding for that. Um, So that's just a part of some of them. There's there's another um, Connected Mom Act There's the Connected for Health Act, both kind of along similar lines. And then there's the Emergency Telehealth Impact Reporting Act to look at um, all of the telehealth waivers and RPM services that were expanded during the COVID public health emergency. Um, So this bill in particular is to address the telehealth cliff. So that's the COVID-19 Emergency Telehealth Impact Reporting Act. And uh, that's just those are just some of the some of the ways that anyone who's in the healthcare ecosystem can improve the quality of care for patients, expand the financial resources available to care for patients, and impact Medicare policies and CPT codes to improve patient care.
1: Wow, that was a lot. Um, One of the things that in that I heard um, during that, all of those different acts that you um, expanded upon and shared with us, what would be a good resource for our providers, payers, and even us lay folks who are just a part of the healthcare ecosystem? What's a good resource for us to go and find and research this information?
2: Well, the best place is probably to look up some of the policy Um, guidelines from the American Telemedicine Association. They have some groups or special interest groups who really focus on policy and regulatory, and they even have a lobbying arm now. So you can really get involved with membership to American Telemedicine Association. There's another for public information that anyone can access. There's the Center for Connected Health Policy, uh, CC. HP, I believe, is the acronym for that. Mm -hmm. And they have updates multiple times per year. They put updates on legislation. They put updates on federal reimbursement policies for telehealth, telemedicine, and remote monitoring. And they also do a lot of state-specific. So that's the Medicare programs. So although Medicare is a national program, Medicare programs, what they pay for, what they cover, vary drastically state by state. So Center for Connected Health Policy is probably one of the better places to begin looking up and see if your state um, has reimbursement for remote monitoring, for example, what those use cases are and what the requirements are for for getting paid in your state Medicaid program program. And what those rates are for reimbursement. Some states like Texas for uh, remote patient monitoring pay more than what CMS pays. So uh, whilst what CMS pays might be a guideline, your state may pay more uh, or your state may have different requirements, but that would be a good place to look.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for that information. One last question um, because I know we're running out of time. If I'm a healthcare provider and Perhaps I haven't really started into the RPM um, or telehealth. Is this still a good time to get into telehealth and RPM?
2: So while you might hear the telehealth cliff and some of that language, it's still a good time. It's almost like uh, you hear about when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time to plant (laughs) a tree is is 10 years ago. But if you didn't plant your t- tree 10 years ago, the best time to plant a tree is today. And that's the same for engaging your patients in telemedicine, telehealth, and remote monitoring services. There are more and more um, codes for payment. We talked about a couple of those and some of those expansions for 2023 here today today. Even some of the older codes, like the chronic care management codes, which started in 2015, got expanded in 2017. In 2022, the rates went up Mm -hmm. uh, a significant amount on what each of those codes pay. So while you may hear budget neutrality and things like that, um, there are ways to make this work for you and for your patient population. There have been expansions for if you're a federally qualified health center or FQHC or a Rural Health Center, an RHC, there are expanded opportunities for reimbursement in remote monitoring and telehealth use in 2023. And if you're a home health agency, there are those new three codes that are volunteer reporting now on remote monitoring, which could lead to direct reimbursement by CMS, hopefully in 2024.
1: Awesome. Well, that is good news to know that if you're a provider out there, there's still great opportunities. And there's also opportunities to participate in how the care delivery will be in the future. But like you said, with the Home Health Agency, by providing that information to CMS and helping CMS define what's going to be best moving forward. So there's still lots of opportunities. So I appreciate that. Bill, it seems like we're out of time, but Thanks for a great discussion and so much insight on all these various different topics. Any last closing thoughts?
2: Um, Contact your local congresspeople who serve in the U.S. Congress, whether that's the House or the Senate. We are extremely fortunate that telehealth and remote monitoring initiatives are really bipartisan. Many of the bills have a Democratic and a Republican sponsor or co-sponsor. And there are a lot of shared ideas across the aisle on that and a lot of support by both parties to get these things rolling and moving and extend care to the home to patients across the country.
1: Well said. And thank you again um, to our audience. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for this opportunity to share and update our audience on how we are doing and the opportunities that exist to provide that quality care to those patients in most need. Thank you.
0: This concludes this episode of Transforming Healthcare with Clear Arch Health. To learn more about remote patient monitoring, please visit the Clear Arch Health website at cleararchhealth.com. And please continue to tune in each month as we talk with healthcare experts and industry thought leaders about the latest developments in telehealth and remote patient monitoring, giving you all the information you want and need to hear. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time.